You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Stephen Perkins, is known as the drummer in the bands James Addiction and Porno for Pyros, and also Think X, MC5, Halloween Jack, and quite a few others. But did you know that he also has his own record label, he hosts a talk show, and he's played drums and percussion on a whole host of other songs like Steel Drums on No Doubt's Spiderwebs. We are going to talk about all of these things as well as go way deep on creativity and inspiration and on the music industry in general. So come along with me as I catch up with Stephen Perkins. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. uh, It feels good to hear your voice and see you and one day soon in person, but it's been too long. So thanks. Thanks for having me and putting me into your life again. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on today. It has been forever. I haven't seen you in what feels like forever in person. But yeah, we did. uh, Me and Bloss Perez did a duet, a drum and bass duet. And you were there and uh, I thought we played great. And it was cool because if you have just another musician to play with the space, you don't need anything else. I mean, the real estate can be filled. All Mm -hmm. you need is just two imaginations kind of battling it out. And so I remember that you were there and that was a great weekend out. Uh, Was it Indiana or was that? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 Indianapolis. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. So good. So good. I know. And it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Like we, so much has happened since then. So much like change in life and, and careers and all of that. Um, but we yes. are still, but, we, <laughs> but we're still the same people. Right. So that's, what's important. Well, I realized so much about actually drumming because I had so much time on my hands. So like a bas- like a pro basketball player that just sits there and does free throws all day. Mm-hmm. There's no urgency and there's no reaction, but there's a lot of hand-eye coordination. And I kind of went back to when I was 14 or 15. And I just worked on rudiments. I got really into like tight snare drum work and exploring the drums in uh, a more, I guess, authentic way when I started. Because I had no one to play with when I started. It was just me and a drum. Right. So I, I kind of found that again. And it's been great for this... I guess, in, intense microscope of what I have on the strengths and weaknesses of my drumming. Because mm-hmm. you kind of lose that microscope when you're on tour or with other musicians or taking cues from producers. And right. it was cool. It was just me alone with me and my drumsticks. So I, I kind of like thought, okay, this is a, a lot, of, lot of time on my hands, but I always wanted to get back to basics. I guess that's how you can put it. So I got back to basics with the, with the, you know, with the rudiments and that's kind of uh, a personal, you know, like any artist you have to, it's not sacrifice, but you have to put away everything. And as a young musician or a young artist, you don't think about that. But as you get older, it's hard to put stuff away and get to it again. Mm-hmm. But we had, I had no choice really. So it was, yeah. it was cool, you know? 
So that's, that's what I've been doing for two years, really, is like microscoping my hands and, and how I bounce the sticks off the head. I love that. That's yeah. really, really interesting. So you, so you kind of like went back in time, went back to the beginning and just kind of shedded for a couple of years. That's really? So I broke out, I broke out some of the old original books and looked at my notes and I didn't wow. really kind of like chew through them again, but I just kind of like revisited. And then I brought up some of my old favorite DVDs that I had of uh, Krupa and Buddy Rich and Louis Belson and some of those early influences before I knew what, what, uh, how many drummers were out there. I didn't know there was Elvin. I didn't know there was Ginger. I just heard about the great three jazz guys. Yes. I was 10 years old. So I went and I got those like videos out and it was cool because it really stimulated something new in me. And I have a 12 year old son and he's, he's playing guitar. And, you know, at 12 years old, you don't want to have homework on your instrument. You want to have fun. And I, I know how that feels, but at this age, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a little homework. I'm going to go and and get into it, like you said, and shed. And now that the gigs are coming back, I'm saying yes to everything. Uh, Kenny Aronoff taught me that years ago. Just say <laughs> yes. And then if you, double, if you double book, work it out. Find a, yeah. find a replacement, you know? That's so too I, funny. Yeah. So I say yes to everything and it's starting to happen. And now I get to play basketball with other people again, not just doing the free throws. <laughs> I love that. That is, that's, that's so good. And I love that you just brought up Kenny. We, I was just talking about Kenny yesterday because um, when you talk to Kenny on the phone, um, it's, you have like a five minute conversation with him because he's always somewhere or going somewhere or doing something. Yeah. So in that five minutes, there's like 45 minutes of information that has passed back and forth. Like he, he has it's, so much energy. It's unbelievable. It's and it's all, it's all, to me, he, it's not only a motivation to see how he plays and acts, but to see what he does to people and the, the ripple effect he has on people. It's, yes. unbel it's unbelievable, you know? It it's, is, it's it is. And he, he seems to be everywhere at once, you know? that I, I recently saw um, Haley Reinhardt. I follow her on Instagram. That's right, yeah. I know a her. great musician, love yeah. her. And she posted a picture the other day and Kenny was in it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's everywhere. He's everywhere. So I like that advice. Take the gig, right? Take the gig and then figure it out. Um, you know, and you know, Kenny does have a twin brother. So you yes. never know, you never know what's going on or who does what, where. But, I mean, um, he definitely does the work of multiple people. So yeah, yeah. maybe his you twin know, is uh, filling in. And now it's like um, at the point where if you do have two gigs and you uh, have the opportunity to share the, the wealth, so to speak, that's great because the drum community is is a tight community of people that love each other. We No one can really sound like anybody, so we, we're not going to rip anybody off. You know, mm -hmm. there's just great players, but Bissonette doesn't sound like Aronoff and Aronoff doesn't sound like Vinny and, and so on, but they all right. have something. They all have something we want and we want to watch and listen, you know? Yeah, but absolutely. It's like, go ahead. I was just thinking that the drum community can call and say, hey, can you sub for me? And it feels good to pass it on. And mm -hmm. it feels good to know that another drummer that you love and respect is doing the job. And the bass player, whoever's in the band can go, oh, cool. Perkins sent this cat and this cat's incredible. We're, we're set. So yeah. I've, I've, learned, I've learned not to have like, I guess, jealous or envy 
or or any kind of anxiety about passing the gig on because it goes around. What comes around goes around. So don't worry about it. You know, don't be worried like if you can't do it and you call Thomas Lang and the guy's incredible. Cool. Yeah. He'll call, yeah, he'll call you one day, maybe, you know. So Yeah, that uh, is so true. That this community, like I say it all the time, but it's just so incredibly unique and supportive within the music industry. You know, the drumming yeah. world. Everybody just loves each other almost everybody and (laughs) it just like passes you're right they pass along gigs to each other information um drum techs i see you know that community is incredible i just saw a post recently um from rob whitehead who's who's uh ronnie venucci's tech saying hey if anyone out there is looking for some work um steve-o morrison tommy lee said the same thing right like it's there's such a great community and it's so um just supportive of each other so it is and, and there's that. also there's like this athletic you know uh part of drumming about the stamina and and the endurance and you don't really even have to like the guy's band to like the drumming and yeah. you know and after a while the band grows on you but it's usually the drummer that gets me turned on and yeah. you know it's like and there's all these great drummers and about maybe about eight years ago when Whiplash came out and then also the movie with Michael Keaton, there was like scenes where the, the yeah, jazz drum, yeah. yeah, they were breaking up the scenes with the jazz drum parts. And, yep. You know, drums come, they never go away, but sometimes they get highlighted and spotlighted in the community of all entertainment. And then it goes away, it comes and goes. But like mm-hmm. Travis Barker the other day stole the show. And of course, yeah. you know, and then losing one of my best friends, T-Hawk and Taylor the ripple effect of what he's done to the world in 50 years and what people are feeling. And, you know, it's weird because Mozart and Beethoven, they wrote it, but we don't really know how they played it. It's, it's a conductor that says, this is the tempo. Mm-hmm. One conductor can do Beethoven's fifth in, in 12 minutes and other can do it in almost 13 minutes, but it's the same piece of music. But right. we do know what Bonham and Moon and Pert and Taylor we know exactly how they wanted us to hear it because they played it, we heard it, and we can go visit that. So it's remarkable when you you have a conductor make it his own mm-hmm. and the composer is just the vehicle in a way or the tool, you know, and then we have the music today that we can record it, you know, and, and, and listen to it forever. And we can hear actual soul, you know, we hear, it's like we hear their, their personality. If you really focus in on what music is, Jimmy, mm-hmm. Hendrix, yeah, Jimmy Hendrix and Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding, that's their personality. And it sounds to me almost like Elvin Jones and Coltrane, but you know, and McCoy Tyner, but it's rock. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love hearing musicians' personalities and warts and all, you know, perfection art. It, there is no perfect art. You know, when I first was talking about art with somebody, I said, look, take the word, it's it's a word, fart, but take the word art, it's just one letter different, you know, it's like, (laughs) take F out of fart, you got art, you know, it's like, it's just a word, but it's it's what you want it to be, you know, and it has to happen, Mm -hmm. just, you can't stop it, and I think that's the beauty of, of like, what, what Taylor left behind, and what we do as musicians in this community mm-hmm. is that we're, we're athletic and we want to see what the other guy can do. And there's, there's envy and jealousy. Well, I wish I could do that. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, I do my thing, you know, yeah. and that's my thing. So hopefully they can't do that, you know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that and that's the that's the best part when you have your thing, like and you know what it is. I think that there's a journey to discover what your thing is, right? Like for everybody. Yeah, but so like the- once you figure that out and you own it, then that's when you're that's when the jealousy kind of goes away. You're kind yeah. of like, okay, well, that but this I have my thing now and I know what it is. And as long as I do that and stay true to it, I'll keep working, right? And I'll keep keep doing it. And then Absolutely. people recognize that and you like you have a very particular sound when you play, people can recognize that. And I think that's like such a goal as a musician to have people really like recognize your sound, see your sound, right? Like see what it is that you do or see you in the music. I think that's so important. Well, I'm so happy you use the word see and hear because if you think about music, obviously it's, it's air. I mean, it's it's nothing there. It's just, it has to be made and it goes away. And the drummer has a silent room and it's up, to, it's up to me, really, to do what, you know. And that's what I wanted to break the silence with that. And you don't get to stroke the silence. You don't get to brush it. You have to pierce it as a drummer. So you have to have intention. You have to have determination. And you have to stand behind it. Because if you don't, it, it's blurred and no one can really grab to what you're trying to say. And so there's a great responsibility a drummer has when he sits down with other musicians or even in a room alone to to break the silence with confidence and to repeat that over and over so people can feel the air. It's actually air moving like I was going back. It's air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, my other favorite thing in the world is architecture. It's a beautiful building. And that to me is like frozen music. Mm. It's like... It's beautiful, but it's frozen in time. And Mozart is hundreds of years old, but so is the building from Rome or Paris. They still stand, you know? Yeah. And, and we go, unfortunately, one day me and you will be gone. But those those, those, those pieces of music and, and that piece of land where the land built the, you know, whatever Roman statue, which has been there for a thousand years, it's going to be there still. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love the stuff that, that stays here like music even though it's air you can always listen to it and and it's a strange thing with drums or even the bass because you hit something and there's actual air moves mm-hmm. you know people's hair yeah. go back. <laughs> yeah that's what i was just thinking of you can <laughs> feel your hair if you have yeah. hair <laughs> like this. You, know, so you can see music yeah. you can hear music and mm-hmm. you know you can see architecture you can't hear it maybe that maybe a building speaks if you listen but you yes. know go ahead i was just gonna say the thing about ar- architecture that fascinates me that kind of connects it to music is like the math involved in it yeah. right yeah. and like the math involved in creating a structure that that holds up and the the math involved in music and how you know, music that is pleasing to your ear is like mathematically sound. And so I think about that one building that sticks out to me that and I love architecture too. Um, La Sagrada Familia in, in um, Barcelona yeah. is like, like I look at that building and explore it and I feel like I'm seeing 
I'm seeing art and I'm seeing music and I'm seeing nature and science and math all in one place that I, it's just like the ultimate. Absolutely. Um, you know, mean, it's so incredible. Well, people don't know if they haven't visited Barcelona, you're surrounded by Gaudi's architecture. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Gaudi and Picasso and Dali all drank something called absinthe. Mm -hmm. And if you look at their art. It, it doesn't have lines. There's no, there's nothing square about it. Yes. It's always soft and movable, but still concrete and, and safe. And, and I think there's a, there's a point when you walk the streets in Barcelona where you don't, you, you don't see the difference between nature and, and actual architecture. There's a blend mm -hmm. and it's, but you know, sometimes it sticks out it's like, why did they put this here? It's so ugly. That doesn't happen in, in Spain. It yes. really, really, it kind of grows out of the, of the land. The, the architecture grows out of it because the people that live there respect what the land uses and the, the shapes of it. But mm -hmm. you're right. There's something, there's something about a drummer laying down a rhythm and people respond to that. So if you throw a, if you jack it, it's okay. But if you jack it over and over, then the rhythm changes to this new rhythm. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, mm -hmm. then people can remove to that. And I love having that, that impression on someone's hips or body and then mm -hmm. seeing what I do to them. And just like a building with a, a staircase, that's a spiral, like, yes, you know, yeah. or, or a staircase that zigzag or it's what you do to their body. You're doing, you're actually doing something to them to get them through this, this structure. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't realize it, but it is, it's a dance. It's yeah. a real dance, you know? So like everything in life has, I guess, this rhythm. We all have a different one. I wake up and I do my thing. You wake up, you do your thing. But at the end of the day, we we are here for maybe 105 years, 110 years, you know, whatever it might be. And even that's a rhythm, you know, our, our life source, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I try to really look at these rhythms when I first got my bongos 1986 after all the time playing drumsticks mm -hmm. the rhythms all of a sudden got so tiny and so circular mm. because i was playing with my fingers okay this is a whole nother way of looking at rhythm it shrunk it down compared to what bonham or ginger or moon was doing, which was kind of spread out the room. Yeah, they just shrunk it, like it made it. And that's when I started going to my, I guess my homegrown sound was mm -hmm. African, not knowing Babatundi and Fela, not knowing those names. Mm -hmm. But when the music came to me, it seemed so familiar. And when I played my drum set, I thought Alex Van Halen, yeah. But also Baba Tutti. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, also would you and um Aronoff was doing a show with uh Navarro and they did Mountain Song. And Kenny's like, What is this drum beat? I said, Well, I wrote it thinking Jimbe. And I didn't write, I wrote it on the drum set, but I was yes. thinking, what would an African drummer do to a rock riff? And once I told Aronoff that, he was like, Oh, great, I got it. So he called, you know, he hung up because it's hard to hear in the mix exactly what I did. And it's really a djembe rhythm, mm -hmm. but played, played on trap kit. And once I stuck to it, and then the bass player had his riff, it's like an MC Escher painting, the white duck and the black duck 
there's mm -hmm. that, and it just goes right by, you know? And that to me is, is magical when you know the drums have, have purpose in a song, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And you do react and you can do a drum fill at the end of the, of the measure or at the beginning or reacting to a vocal part. But what's that beat? Like Tomorrow Never Knows with Ringo. What's the beat? Does that beat hold water? Is is that a highway they can drive on just with, with like psychedelic sounds? That's really <laughs> he came up with a beat that could actually drive a whole psychedelic highway down, you know? That is very like, true. Yeah. So I, it's cool that the drummer has all these different opportunities to be like Elvin or Mitch Mitchell, very mm -hmm. conversationalist, or like Ringo in that in that song where it's just a highway. And, yeah, and let, you know, and let the and let the birds and the bees go flying by. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There are two ways that you can look at it, but yeah. I love that explanation though of of putting the African rhythms to the drum set because, again, that's like that's something that I do think about when I think of you and your style and your sound and all of that, and it and it is like inherent in all of the things that you that you play. Um, and so when you were growing up, you were you were listening to the jazz masters, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. What, what kind of got you, were, were you listening to rock and roll at that time as well? Or what kind of like got you into to rock music? Well, there was rock everywhere and I loved it. And I also loved Sly and James Brown, even Jackson 5. I loved mm -hmm. the dance music, you know, 12, 13 years old. Then there was a, you know, I'm, 1980, I had my bar mitzvah, so... Uh, Saturday Night Fever was just a couple years old. So the Bee Gees and Donna Summer, mm -hmm. there was a lot of dance pulsating drumming. So I did, I did enjoy that, but no one in my world played piano, upright bass or saxophone. So I did, I desperately wanted to play jazz, but I had no mm -hmm. one to play with. Right. And I really, everyone who came over brought an Ampeg or a Marshall and, and they wanted to play CDC and I didn't mind it, but mm -hmm. That had to change the traditional grip to match. That had to change the dead pillow, take the pillow out of the kick. All of a sudden, I was competing with volume. And it yes. wasn't just about feel and swing and technique. There was a whole nother element now. So I didn't grow up, unfortunately, with the dynamic of understanding a piano player, mm -hmm. an ba a, ba a bass player without an amp. Now I have the opportunity and I love it. And I get to dive into that to play those dynamic moments with people. But as a 12, 13 year old, it was like, turn it up. So mm -hmm. I kind of, the jazz, the, the, the favorite rock drummers, I would find the swinging drummers, you know, Bill Ward from Sabbath and, you know, Bonham. Yes. Drum, you know, Ringo, of course, and Charlie. These drummers were swinging because they, mm -hmm. they had jazz to pull from and, and R&B, I guess, you know, and blues, you know, so... It was really uh, a sense of what turns me on when I get on the drum set. It was boom, but I was, and it was swing and jazz, but I had no one really played African or jazz music around me. Everyone played rock. So I, yeah. just, I stuck to my guns. I'm like, this is what I feel, you guys. And great news, Jane's Addiction guys were like open arms. Cool, let's try that. Yeah. And we all had different record collections. We all liked different things. And Perry was nine years older than me. Eric, mm -hmm. the bass player, six years older. I, they didn't really have the same friends or record or, or even dress the same. 
me right. And Dave, me and Dave are very similar. We had Scorpions and Maiden and the newer mm -hmm. metal we wanted to rock, but also the stuff we kind of grew up on when we were kids and our teachers, our music teachers infused. Yes. You know? And so Absolutely. it was really a, a great conversation of people saying, let's do our own thing and, and come up with something. Let's not reference Zeppelin and say, wouldn't it be cool if you did a Zeppelin beat or let's not reference this let's let's try not to reference let's just yeah. go forward you know yeah yeah make create something totally new and you yeah. did you absolutely yeah. did i mean the we, sound we is yeah, for sure yeah. um and that and that's just that's amazing how old were you when you started playing with james uh 17 1985 86 oh my gosh so i never really had a proper real job you know through high school i worked at a shoe repair a little construction you know, a pizza joint. But mm -hmm. once, once we graduated, um, I, you know, four or five nights a week, we would rehearse and two or three, four nights a month, we would do gigs. There was no real money, but there was movement mm -hmm. there. You know, it, to me, success is not money because Gandhi was successful. You know, Mother Teresa is successful. There's no cash flow there. You know, what's your target? Right. What's, your, what's your bullseye? That, and then you keep moving that bullseye and target, but you know, you can be a success if that's what you want and you know what you want. So we really wanted to write music and play songs in front of people. That was like a goal, but yes. Chili Peppers, Fishbone, Minutemen, Firehose, X, they were already out with music and bands. Had mm -hmm. And we would play with these guys but we, me and Navarro had way more metal than mm. any of those bands had. Mm -hmm. they, you know, if you listen to early Janes, we had Idiot's Rule, Pigs and Zen. You can hear that Fishbone and Chili Peppers and Minutemen were affecting us. Mm -hmm. And then you heard me and Dave kind of like squeeze what we were like. We like to rock. There should yeah. be a lot of guitar solos. You know, you didn't hear guitar solos like that in, that, in the punk rock, post-punk rock scene. No. But they accepted us and every, you know, Henry Rollins and, and Mike Watt and the guys in the Circle Jerks and the Dead Kennedys, they came and hugged me and Navarro like, holy Jesus, you guys are incredible. <laughs> but we had great songwriters, you know, Eric and Perry. Yeah. So we weren't just shredding away. We had really cool songs, but we were sneaking in our, our you know, our Your juice. Your player, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yes. So that, was, that was 86. And the, the strip was just ended. You know, I got plenty of Motley and Rat and, and a lot of the stuff in high school. I was able to go look at that and watch it and become friends with those cats. But it really was, they hit the wall. I mean, every band on the strip was signed and they all kind of sounded the same. Mm -hmm. And the post-punk thing, like I say, with X and some of those bands, they hit the ceiling too. They weren't going to get much bigger. Mm -hmm. So that was this moment, you know, so bam. Yeah. That, and, it, and it's like, what a great moment. You recently, yeah. you posted um, a tour flyer recently from like nine ninety three. I want to say, but it was, it was a porno for pyros. You oh, were yeah. playing with, and it was like, it was so funny. Cause when I saw that, I was like, that is like a snapshot in time. Like the, the bands on that show it was like red hot chili peppers and Henry Rollins and, and like that, you know, that was just what it, what did I, I was talking to someone the other day about this exact, like 1993, 
94, like that period of time was just for music, like mind blowing because there was so much like new stuff being explored, like new sound, new, new, I don't know. Like it it was was so good. And there was also so many great drummers. If you think about Soundgarden and Tool and, you know, Janes and Pumpkins with Janes and Pumpkins. (laughs) And, you know, Pearl Jam went through many great drummers. I mean, there was like a drummer after drummer. And and then there's always this like rebirth because Tommy Lee had such an effect that everyone wanted to be T. Lee. Mm -hmm. But after, you know, Jane's, there was a sense like I heard what Tim was doing in Primus. I was like, that's mathematical, but sexy. Yeah, I mean, that's unusual. What the heck? How did he do that? Where'd that go? And then that, you know, it came from Jay as well from Sausage. Mm-hmm. The drummer from Sausage, Jay Lane, you know, it yes. predated, predated Tim a little bit of what that mathematical sexy stuff was going mm-hmm. on. But there was just so many interesting things and what Texas was going through, man. Texas kept on spewing out drummers like, yes. Oh. God, these guys. Well, are- I, well, I don't know what it is about Texas, but yeah, yeah they're like, like, holy moly. And like, yeah. And and so many like different styles of amazing drummers too from yeah. Texas. It was great. And you know, like I said, the the drummer, when they stand out, the music business notices and the business changes a little. I really feel that, you know, like T Lee or what the alternative scene did or what Travis is doing, you yeah. know, even though it's 10 years, 20 years now since, you know if you think about how long Travis has been playing drums, but he's still making an imprint, you know, he really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's, yeah. It is amazing to me too. When, um, you know, because the drummer's like in the back and, <laughs> and some drummers are really happy to be in the, in the back. And, um, but other drummers kind of just supersede and, and kind of become like their own entity um, with their own sound. And that's, and yeah, people take notice because, yeah. Drums are cool. Like, yeah, man. You know? they are. And, and also, it's like this therapy. You know, you're like running in place, you're painting, you're doing yoga, you're meditating. That's drumming. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have it all happening, you know, and, and mm-hmm. otherwise it's just, it's a, it's a battle between your brain and your hands. But if you can yeah. relax and let it all happen, and not, you know, compare or uh, put yourself down. Yeah, you want to get better every day, but the, really the goal is is to to feel. Yes. And, you know, and make people feel it too if you can, if you have that opportunity. Yeah, I would. Agree well, I was going to say with with what and then with food. Do you do you cook a lot at home? I do. Yes, I do. Okay, so that's the other thing. It's kind of like music and architecture is food. You know, but. Mm-hmm. You can't live without food. I mean, you can live without other things, but it's so weird that if we don't breathe for five minutes, we're dead. If we don't eat for five days, we're dead, you know, and, yes. and whatever the number might be. But it, the food has got such a beautiful romance and art to it. And you have to do it two or three times a day. It's unbelievable how many times you have to eat <laughs> in a lifetime. It's like, okay, this is challenging, okay? But especially when you have kids, you know? Yeah. God, how much they eat. But there's (laughs) something, there's something about rhythm and the way you cook and clean and when you eat and how you eat. And there's a, there's a rhythm to it. And if you look at like tribes and the way, you know, before Western civilization kind of squashed everything, 
different rhythms and how people had different duties to keep balance. Mm-hmm. And, and when you when you have too many people, you lose balance. And when you lose your sense of, of goal or purpose or what you're supposed to do with yourself, you lose balance. And I yeah. think it's so, it's so hard to keep in balance nowadays. Um, and, and music balances me. Other people have other you know outlets, but I, I yeah. find that getting on stage is is a great way for me to feel good and get paid. That's my life. But doing that balances other people. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. come to the they come to the show, and Jerry Garcia said it when he flew into the uh, Woodstock. He looked down and said, there's never this amount of people in one place unless it's a battlefield. Oh, man. Music, yeah. music, man. Music brings people together. You know, it's not a battle. But look at that, you know. Yes. And so it's a, it's a beautiful way to heal people is to play drums and play music. It's a great way to make a living because that's what I wanted my whole life is just to play drums. I didn't realize I'd have to leave home and leave the family and do stuff that hurts. Yes. But hey, be everyone hurts, you know. I mean Yeah. You, know, you you if if a band asked me to go on tour and say you're gonna be gone for 18 months, I don't know, man. It would break my heart to leave home. Yes. But, gosh, that sounds like fun. Maybe you two needs a drummer for 18 months. <laughs> you know, Peter Gabriel know. or something. Those are dreams, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like rare nowadays too, because bands don't really go out for 18 months. No, anymore. Right? Like I remember, um, my goodness, I'm trying to remember who it was that I was talking to, talking about kind of the heartbreak of leaving kids for years at a time. Because oh, yeah. whoever this was, they they were going out you know, for literally for years and then coming home. And it just is, it's like so rare nowadays. I feel like being a musician, although it is hard to leave and it's, you know, sometimes it is for a stretch of time. Sometimes you're overseas and all of that. It's a little bit of a different world where you can have that, that family life a little more now. And I think maybe even the pandemic has given people a different priority um, a different list of priorities as far as, you know, how much time they're willing to be away for any one period. You know, it, mm-hmm. it shook the, tr- it shook the tree, yeah. you know, the fruits that came out, you're looking at them going, okay, these are important. You know, I don't want to just forget, you know, what's, yeah. you know, why I'm here and what we're doing here. And, yeah. you know, I've been, I've been watching a, a funny comedian and his name's on the tip of my tongue, but Maybe I'll text it to you so you can talk about it. You can post them. But um, yeah. he said, I don't want kids because everything you do becomes about them. But, yeah. But, but, you know, but once they're 18, it gets back to you again, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yes. Well, you know, you don't wipe their butts after they're five and you don't wipe their nose after they're two. And you don't have to be like part of their life as far as they don't want you part of their life. They want to continue on. And it's great because having a child has given me this sense I want to be healthier. I yes. want to be. I want to be smarter, happier. I want to, you know, hate less. Yes. Judge less. I want to, you know, take time that hurts less. And and it's weird because a good moment comes and goes, but a bad moment seeps in and it doesn't leave. And it's like this. I want to reverse that. I want the good moments to seep in. Let the bad moments be like a cloud. You know, just go right by. Yeah, move past. And, yeah, exactly. And as you get older you want you start to realize how important those moments are 
just laying in bed with your wife and, and husband and kid or whatever it is. And like, okay, this is great because in two weeks I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to fly to Denver and be in right. a cold hotel somewhere. But I get yeah. to play with people, you know. Yeah, you get to you get to do what you always wanted to do. Yeah. Right? Um, I do think, you know, there's something about kids that um, it puts everything in, into perspective as far as what you like you just mentioned, what you spend your time doing, what you spend your time on um, and then what you let live in your head, because yeah. you do realize that um, everything affects kids everything affects you know humans and so um it's one of those things where you have to learn to be completely selfless and really like love in a different way i think and then for me kind of tying it back to music um music takes on a whole different um meaning like it's it's yeah. so so much different i hear music completely differently i think like every stage of life that you go through um if music is in your heart if that's like what you love and it kind of follows you it gives you a whole different like take on a song maybe that you've listened to dozens and dozens of times but like something changes in your life and suddenly you're like this song is something i never knew it was right yeah. Yeah, exactly. you, can, you can see it and hear it in another way. Or actually, if your your kid like goes, I like this song. I used to like this song. Why and how does this happen? And, you know, I, yeah. I had nothing to do with that actually happening. It was something that was brought to them without me part of it. But, you know, the music and the the, the binding of, of like books and art and music and, and movies and film it's such a great experience to show our kids something that turned us on and yes. see, see if it turns them on. And if it doesn't find out why and go, okay, mm -hmm. I want to learn, you know, I want to learn what, you know, why does it fall flat for you? You know, tell me what, right. what, what you're thinking. But right. now I have a, a record label. It's called Perkins Palace. Yes. So this, this is really cool. When the pandemic hit, the James Addiction Management called me and they're, and you're an athletic drummer. You must be going crazy. I was like, please give me something to do. They said, how about, how about a label? I said, oh, that'd be great, man. But as soon as the word got out in my head and I told a couple friends, everyone's like, I got a band. I got this. I got a project. I didn't really want to put a friend or a band or a project out. Mm -hmm. I wanted to find something I believed in and I didn't have any connection with, or maybe I did, but I just wanted to believe in it. So yeah. it was about 16, 18 months. And I found the band called Air out of Columbus. And they have all been separate bands prior to the pandemic. They're in their mid-20s. But when the pandemic hit, they started this band exclusively just writing songs in their garage right in Columbus, right near the university where there's like a bunch of foot, you know, as I, I guess there's a bunch of coffee shops and record stores. So mm -hmm. they open up the garage and they have all these people watching them rehearse. And they don't do gigs. This is like, you know, two years ago. So they have a yeah. vibe, a cool, actual vibe. That's awesome. The tunes, and I thought, this is a great place for Perkins Palace to start. They're starting. I'm starting. No, they don't have a following, but neither do I. No, mm -hmm. they have history, but neither do I. But we have experience. And so now this has just been incredible. We put the first song out called Smoke Em If You Got Em in October. Mm -hmm. and 
it's been five or six months, but it's really a slow grow. It's on FM radio. It's on Sirius XM. I got him on a show with the Chili Peppers, Jane's Addiction, Allison Chains. I got him on another show with Chili Peppers and Kiss. I got him on a third show with, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to tell you the fact because I don't know exactly who's on that lineup. Okay. They're going to get an agent and it's starting to happen. And I feel like I have another kid. Yay. I have this pride and experience. And I flew him to LA. They met Jackson Brown the first night they got here. They met Dave Grohl the night before they left. We wow. Did a, we did a session at 606. They got on stage with me and my band, Think, Think Floyd. I took him to JBL and they met Becky. We got a great vibe at JBL. And it was just something that I have, I guess I've built and drawn a bunch of bridges. I want to help these guys cross them. And they completely okay. respect it. They respect the, the whole process and they respect everything. They never disrespected a moment of the trip or what's happening. And it's just been a fun, uh, I guess in a sense, a, a reignition of creativity in me i'm not in the band but i can help create and yes. that's that's new for me you know i'm, I'm really digging it it's really cool yeah in yeah. so the air a-e-i-r they're from columbus and, and perkins palace i think the record will probably come out in july that's awesome i yeah. will link um in the show notes on the podcast and in the youtube description because the music is great that single is so good and it's <laughs> cool. like yeah, I feel like we need that music right now. Like it's it, it, there's a space for that, for sure. It's really good. So they they grew up on the right stuff, in my opinion. They're they're good rock and roll players. Mm -hmm. They don't mess around. They get right to the point. The lyrics are are you know important to them, and they always were to me when I grew up. I didn't realize it when I tried to write them, how hard it is to write lyrics and good ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they wrote some great lyrics. Um, you know, they have a song called Body, about body shaming. They mm -hmm. have a song called Tug of War, about, you know, people posting and, and you know, taking advantage and bullying online. And it's just interesting because you know, when they're in your 20s, they're going through stuff that I, I don't want to pollute or dilute. They ask my opinion. I've got one. But hey, I'm 54 from LA. You mm -hmm. guys are in your 20s from Columbus. I want to know your your opinion. You know, I want to yeah. hear what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, uh, people in their 20s have a completely different perspective <laughs> on on what's happening, like in the world and what's going on. And I feel like you mm -hmm. know, when I was in my 20s or or you know, late teens, I wasn't maybe as aware of everything that was going on. Of course, we didn't have, you know, social media and things weren't right at your fingertips all the time. So there's like a, a real serious awareness in young people that I think is influencing music now, which well, is amazing. Unbelievably, of course. Social yeah. media, yes. And then, of course, the pandemic. Politics aside, but people took sides. Mm -hmm. that, even in families and in, in relationships and all of a sudden politics was an issue it never was before yes you know, you know and uh, and so and then you had people unfortunately getting sick and other people not getting sick and why we don't know the rhyme or reason to that mm -hmm. and it was in these guys in their 20s me and you were out there having a good time these guys were told not to go out and not can stay yeah. home so the songs have a lot a lot of punch and bite and teeth but it's Absolutely. not all it's not all hard rock and music, but it's 
it's punk rock attitude because they had to go through hell to yes get, to get there you know for sure yeah <laughs> there's there's a lot in there absolutely. yeah and and you are doing so much i i loved so you know just I texted you about coming on and, and being on the podcast and you texted me back and it was incredible because usually, <laughs> usually I, you know, do a bunch of research and make some notes on what I know about what you're doing and, and what you're up to. But you were just like, here's what I'm up to and sent me a bunch of um, text messages that were incredibly helpful, first of all. So thank you for that. But also really blew my mind because I'm like, how is he doing <laughs> all all these great things it's amazing yeah. well i'm i'm like i said from kenny aronoff's advice say yes and when it rains it pours in my life because sometimes i'm like oh gosh this is going to be the next six months of my life are really packed but i um mc5 wayne kramer who is now 73 years old put wow. together an incredible record with bob ezrin producing tom morello on guitar abe's on drums Awesome. great record and um he wants to do eight ten shows so mm -hmm. mc5 is going to tour in may and stevie salas is going to play guitar for that so that's an honor i can't wait uh, we've been kind of chewing at the song slowly and then we go to detroit in on may 1st for i think five straight days of rehearsal and then the first show is on may 5th so that's mc5 with wayne mm -hmm. and then i got think x which i like to call think floyd now, Think X has the saxophonist from Think uh, Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. Scott Page. And he also played with Toto and Super Tramp. And he's got stories, man, the Picaro stories. It's just oh my really gosh. Cool. It's, it's beautiful. I've so been on a Toto kick, like, oh, for wow. the past two months or so. And it's, yeah, just just Toto all the time lately. It's so. incredible because it's so the, the way they play is so smooth but if you try to play that way it's nearly impossible so much of it is the feel right yeah it just feels great you know and and the confidence uh i was lucky to play picaro's kit one session i did with shankar the double violinist they had jeff's yellow uh i think it was the old yamaha wow that's great. Cool. Like three the canary Yeah. Three toms yeah. and a kick. Yep. That was it. So good. So, um, so think Floyd's doing gigs and we use a lot of visuals because the music calls for it. But mm -hmm. we add a little more muscle to the, the songs. We don't really kind of replicate the Floyd. We mm -hmm. add our own flavor. But the songs are so good, so we don't want to ignore the quality of that. Sure. We've over We've done 60 shows in the last three years. Wow. So we've been really kind of going for it. Now we're kicking that back up. And then about 10 years ago, I had a band called Halloween Jack with Gilby Clark. Mm -hmm. And we would do just kind of glam rock covers. But we heard that the New York Dolls guitar player, Sylvan, passed away. So I called Gilby. I said, let's do a cover of the Dolls song called Trash. And this is during the pandemic. We'll do a video remotely, like a Brady Bunch video. And we'll just put it out there as a, a you know, a in honor mm -hmm. and as soon as that happened an agent and a manager called and said ah oh, let's get some work together and wow you know, okay let's make it happen so they actually have turned the key and we've got some shows with d snyder from twisted sister singing which mm -hmm. i think is cool the guy's a powerful man 
So good. Does, yeah, he's done a lot of great things in his career, including hang out with Frank Zappa. Right. At, at the Senate. So I think he's just an incredible, incredible man. So that's Halloween Jack. Mm -hmm. Jane's Addiction, Jane's Addiction, Jane's Addiction. We got Lollapalooza. We got Louder Than Life. Really very excited about it. I think the announcement's going to happen in the middle of May, but we're putting together a proper tour. And I love the music. I love playing it. It feels right. When yeah. Perry says three, four, it just feels like nothing's wrong. You know, and I, I told the guys, that. if we could take that feeling and bottle that and just like yes. send it out to the world. So, you know, these things are new and old, but they're also, like you said, the pandemic makes you realize what's important. Everybody wants to play. Mm -hmm. And I got Hellride, which is a punk band. Even Hellride wants to get together. And, you know, it's like, why not just do what we can as many times as we can? And then, you know, bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that thought. I like, I like that thought, right? Just, yeah, do what you love for as long as possible. Yeah. You and know, then, I was telling, then I was telling legacy, well, right? Well, it's true. The legacy is what you leave behind. And, and it is what the music, like Taylor, we can listen, we can watch, we can feel Taylor. 50 years is way too young. But, mm -hmm. you know, think about Bonham and Moon and and, and Morrison and, and Janice and, and Kurt. It's like, but, you know, it's still there with us. Mm -hmm. I was telling my son, time is relative. And a simple way to look at that, when you're kissing somebody for 10 seconds, it goes by quick, but if mm -hmm. you have a hot match on your finger for 10 seconds, that's, that's goes by very slow. Mm -hmm. Same 10 seconds. It's what you do with your time. If you do something you love, your life will go by quick. You're like, damn, I'm already 70. Yeah. Cause you had a good time, you know, <laughs> instead of like, Oh, you know, so you know, do what you love because you know, you're only here once, at least as far as we know. Yes, you know, and and enjoy that time, because um, it, there is going to be some like tornado, hurricane, earthquake, some crazy shit's always going to happen. Mm -hmm. you can't stop that. That's mm -hmm. the that's the nature of living on the planet. But um, try to you know have your own environment, your own circle, uh, keep that pleasant, and don't let those, which I'm uh, you know a victim of, of of like all of us, the news and uncertainty and bills and numbers, you know, it gets in the way of, of happiness. And I don't want to die looking at my bank account. Yeah. I want to die looking at my wife's eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, yeah, it's like, what's that's important, you know? And, and I just think the most important thing now, as we have these opportunities, music and sports, museums and film, is like, let's really enjoy what people do and it's okay to criticize and not like and dislike mm -hmm. you know people ask for advice as a musician it's okay if they don't like you because you know you don't want everybody to like your music you're not you know you're not ice cream yes you know not everything if everybody liked it maybe you're not doing anything new right you, know, you gotta break some rules that's very so true yeah don't worry about everybody liking you like yourself you know and and don't believe what everybody says because I remember an early review saying I was a great drummer. I believed it. Then another review was like, he plays too much. He's not so good. 
oh shit, which one am I going to believe? Right. So right. I don't believe in either of those. I have to believe in myself. Yes. And, yeah. It's all you can do because people have opinions and who knows the guy that did like you maybe years later will stop liking you, <laughs> you know, and, and it, you know, it changes around. Yes. Yeah. It's not you about can't being liked, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't control how yeah. someone else feels, right? You can only control how you feel about yourself, yeah. what, you're, what you're putting out into the world. And I was told when I first started in this industry, I was told that I was too nice to make it in this industry. And I thought to myself, well, I could harden myself and <laughs> yeah. change. But then I thought, you know what? If if I'm too nice to make it in this industry, maybe I don't want to be in this industry because this is who I am. And I wanted to stay true to myself. And, you yeah. know, so that I, I think that's an important message. I love that advice that you just gave. Yeah. So, and, you know, and as like a musician, like anything, you need to be pliable. And you stick to your guns, but also know that other opinions are so important. And, you know, it's like a, a cup of clean water. If you put a little bit of blue dye in there, the whole thing goes blue. You don't have to put a much. You don't have to put much. So if everybody adds their own little tint, you know, it's going to change. Mm -hmm. And that little change is how we move forward and have a social life. And yeah. like, you know what I mean? And, and not just my way or the highway. Be yes. open and be open. The music is so, uh, it's like a tennis match. You know, you really want to play with someone who can return, but you do want to have a heck of a time doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. like, you go for it. And so that's what music has got this, like, let's really challenge each other. It's good to play with people that are better than you, mm -hmm. but then also let's have this comfort zone where we can do what we want and not feel uncomfortable about failing. If we do, if you call right. it, you call it failing, you know, a great producer will make you feel comfortable about failing mm -hmm. and that, that way you go for it. You know, if you're all Absolutely. like, if you're stressed out and the producer is a little strict, he might get something out of you. But I think if you have a relationship where you feel safe, you're going to probably do something even more exciting, you know? Agreed. And I think that's where creativity comes from too. It's from a place of, um, you know, letting it happen, like letting a creative person do what they do and, and not, not, you know, putting them in a box basically yeah. like, yeah, do what you do. But like uh, in these parameters, of course, there are always parameters to anything, but you know, if you hinder somebody's creative energy too much, it's not going to come through like it should, you know, yeah. um, artist, a uh, musician, anybody. Yeah, I, I love being in the studio and taking advice and trying to serve uh, a songwriter, a producer, or even better, a cinematic moment when you're looking and you're playing to a movie and there's actual, there's a moment that you cannot fluctuate from because it's working with the movie. There's a great satisfaction of that. Yes. And it's like, like you said, it's a math problem. It, it fits every time. Mm -hmm. And, and then, then there's that moment where you want to just have this, you know, conversation with your instrument, not your words. And I think uh, Bob Ezrin, the great producer said to me, you know, if you really just ex explore before you get to the studio, you know, and then when mm -hmm. we get there, we've got something, then all that's out of the way in a sense, even though it's fun to do it in the studio with the headphones, yeah. glass walls, but get all that kind of out. And when mm -hmm. you get here, you have a crystal clear, vision of what we're here for. 
And then that really helps if everybody shows up with that. Yes. That'll definitely help. And then he also said to me, when we go mix, at the end of the mix, no one can comment about their instrument. So listen to the song. And if you have any comments, make it about other instruments. And of course, the tune is over. We were silent because I'm usually like, more kick drum, third verse. uh, Right. right. Crash crash cymbal, the intro, what happened? But he's like, don't bring up your instrument. And I thought, damn, it sounded pretty good. If I'm not talking about the drums, you know? That's so funny. Like, what a great way to think about it. Yeah. You know, step, step out of your performance and what you think your drum set or guitar or bass rig should sound like mm-hmm. and just listen to everybody else's and like yeah. hmm, cool that was an interesting way to like agree on the song's mix it was good yeah okay. that's we're good. yeah, we're yeah right because you're always going to hyper focus and like get yeah. too into something that no one else will notice right exactly so, you didn't so hear great. the ghost note the second ghost note yeah. like, oh, hello <laughs> Right, exactly. You're never gonna know. Um, I do have. I don't. I. I can't let you go without asking, though. Okay. Um, Will we see more activity at some point? Do you think from Porno for for Pyros? Great question. Yeah. So me and Peter DeStefano have been looking at ten to twelve songs that we wrote back in the day when we wrote the whole clump. Mm. And got all these tunes that are so porno. And Perry's going through his lyrics and melodies. So the answer is yes. I think there's going to be something. And it's it's such an easy puzzle because the music and the lyrics and the melodies, they exist. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is kind of like fine tune them and agree on like making it. Yes. And, and I think that's also like this carry at the end of the stick for us like why don't we finish what we started mm-hmm. so there's that there's that so i say yes okay awesome awesome yeah. i had i had to ask that question <laughs> and i i also i also found out that a couple of things i did not know about your playing um or songs that you played on okay. but in 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 doing some extra research i read that you played drums on Nine Inch Nails, I do not want this, which right. is so good. And I need to go back you. and listen, and I need to listen to you. Nine Inch Nails is just like one of my favorites, of course, like growing up and in that time frame and like the early 90s and that music. It, my gosh, it was just like so part of like my formative musical journey. But um, I had no idea. And then like Chili Pepper stuff and Rage Against the Machine. And I'm thinking yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Well, it's cool because there was a, a small community and it's still there. And we're all still kind of touching each other's families. Mm-hmm. But when Jane's happened, Tom was around and he had a band called Lockup. Lockup mm-hmm. Lock used to open for Jane's and this was before Rage. Uh, one of Rage's first big shows with, I think it was Porno and Rage at Castaic Lake. Mm-hmm. But there was um, the Nine Inch Nails session. So I think Trent must have done at least 30 shows with Jane's in 89 and 90. Oh, yeah. So there was a, yeah, there was a friendship and a tightness. And we started working on that record. He called me. Uh, we had a full day at AM, which is now Henson Studios. Mm-hmm. It was just me and him and a producer. 
an engineer, he was producing and he didn't really have much music. He just had different tempos, different ideas. And I just went for it. And he kind of collected all these ideas and rhythms and put together what you hear on the record. But what a, what a cool day it was because most of the time before that, it was working out songs and parts with the mm -hmm. play. This is the first time, which is all normal now, for a drummer just to play a shitload of loops and beats to a clip. Right. You know, this is way before people were just like, just give me a bunch of beats and I'll cut it up and make something. So yes. it, it was new to me, but it was it was a total trend. He knew exactly what he wanted. But um, I had nobody to play with except for a click and Trent in the room, you know, rocking out with me. But he didn't play any other instruments. Wow. It was just me alone with different tempos and different, you know, ideas and six, eight, four, four, this, that, mm -hmm. the other. So it was a great day. And then years later, Trent said that some of those grooves ended up on different records that he produced. That's he cool. Really, yeah, he didn't really tell me where and when, how, if I could find them. But right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I wonder yeah. if you know, you'll be listening to like a random Nine Inch Nails song and be like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, cool. It's been great to have those memories like postcards. I did Steel Drum with uh, No Doubt on a song called Spiderwebs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, yeah, there's Steel Drum. And it's like I hear it. And I can remember the, the room and the vibe and the smell and the people. And that's yes. the fun thing about music. You know, it's like the memories, those postcards. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I think we can all think about those, like, even from childhood, the songs. I mean, we just mentioned Toto, but, like, mm -hmm. Rosanna was, like, the song that I fell asleep to as a, as a two-year-old. Like, I had to that's listen to that cool. record every night. But like it, it just the the and the feeling that it brings back and like the smell of the food cooking at the time and like just so I don't know it's just like part of the fabric of who we are I love that about music yeah and there's something like how did satisfaction by the Stones reach everywhere how does how does one song how does something Bob Barley does reach around the globe. Mm. It's, so strange and it's just music maybe it was existing and he just kind of like pulled it out and then recorded it for us it was already there right and, and like how how do these things happen it's so <laughs> strange and you know and as a drummer in LA I used to see the Venice drum circle I was a little shy I wouldn't join mm -hmm. but and there was a crowd and it was a there was an energy true energy and I thought that is something I need to do. And I've been doing drum circles since high school. And yeah. I, do, I do them in the parking lot at Jane shows. I do them, you know, at with communities that need attention, like a school or a, a home. Mm -hmm. I'll do them wherever I can because it feels good to play drums and see people react. Mm. And also when you're far away, you hear it like, what is that over there? Yeah. You're like, I love having that reaction of people I don't know. I don't even know and who they, just, they are. And they just come to you, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they follow the beat. It's, it's beautiful. It is. It's cool. So drums to me are, are not only a way I make a living and, and get my kid to you know, school and pay the bills, but it's the way to make my world go around. It's my lubrication, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I have to lubricate all the time. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I just um, I, I just want to point people to where they can find the dates for all of these things. Should, should they follow you on Instagram? Absolutely. Um, uh, Stephen Perkins Drummer is my Instagram, and I usually like to post just inspirational and motivational drum moments in my life or other drummers that turn me on. So when you go visit there, there's a lot of drum, but that's what I am. I love drum, but right? I, I'm always kind of posting on the different, you know, the different shows I'm doing and the Jane's thing, it's going to be big. And when that, when that comes together, I'm going to tell the world over and over, I can't wait. And I think me and another drummer from the other band, when it happens, we're going to just have a best time, 30 to 40 shows together one of your favorite drummers. So it's going to be good. And um, yeah, Stephen Perkins drummer at IG and uh, Twitter, Stephen Perkins and Jane's Addiction. Um, you know, just look me up and I'll, I'll look you back. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been you amazing to catch up with you and, you know, so inspiring as always to talk with you. So I appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Love to the family. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I will see you in person soon enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.